0: This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com.
1: A'udhu Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. We have with us alhamdulillah our dear Sheikh once again Sheikh Muhammad al-Shinawi, Abu did uh Sheikh a Turban. Rahman said turbans from now on. He said I didn't get the memo. We didn't get them. <laughs> we're very happy to have you back. Alhamdulillah, with us, Sheikh. Um, and uh, before we start, inshallah, ta'ala, just two quick things. Number one, to remind everyone, this Wednesday is really going to be a special program, inshallah. Ta'ala, as we're getting ready for the first of the last ten nights, uh, we're going to have a finish strong telethon from 3 p.m. Eastern, inshallah, to 8 p.m. Eastern, with you know everyone that you've seen chiming in here and more, inshallah, ta'ala, giving some you know advice on how to get us going in the last 10 nights, inshallah ta'ala. So we want you to tune in. And then at the end of that, inshallah ta'ala, the last 20 minutes, so approximately 7.40 Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, we'll have a du'a, inshallah, collective du'a to really get us into the mood, inshallah ta'ala, and hopefully on the right foot uh, as we get into the last 10 nights. Uh, and before I start as well, inshallah ta'ala, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Sunawi actually wrote a gem of a paper, alhamdulillah, on the Qur'an, which was the last of the Proofs of Prophethood series. So those of you that have followed Yaqeen for, uh, for the last few years, alhamdulillah, the Proofs of Prophethood has been uh, sort of a, our hallmark series for the last few years, alhamdulillah, and Sheikh Muhammad uh, dropped the last one uh, in, in the middle of Ramadan. Uh, So it could be lost, but it's such a powerful one, and it's about the Qur'an. So I just want to give uh, Sheikh Mohammed just maybe 30 seconds, a minute. Just tell us about the last paper, inshallah ta'ala, and then people can inshallah go online and find it.
0: Uh, Difficult in 30 seconds, but essentially (laughs) it's about the the inimitability of the Qur'an, how the Qur'an challenges and calls out the world to produce uh, a word like it. And we speak about some of the dimensions, that it's a multi-dimensional challenge, if you will. In terms of it being a literary masterpiece that could be appreciated, even if you don't know Arabic, being a historical wonder regarding the lost knowledge that it was able to identify with such perfection, its potency, meaning its effect on the world, and how the most unexpected thing about it could be the fact that it was preserved when nothing of those times is preserved. Uh, That's pretty much the 30 30 second elevator pitch.
1: (laughs) That's a good elevator pitch, inshallah. So, you can go to our websites on the front page, inshallah. Zakallah khair for that wonderful paper and the wonderful series. So, we will go ahead and start now with Jiz 19, inshallah ta'ala. And uh, we are on Surat al Furqan now. And uh, it starts off, this just actually starts off with verse 21 of Surat al Furqan those that, uh, that do not wish to meet Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, those that are putting off the inevitable reckoning with their Lord, they challenge the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam once again with the same Prophet. They said, if only we would see the angels or the angels would descend upon us or we would see our Lord. So the same uh, line of questioning to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam as that which came to the Prophets that came before him. Then we get into a really uh, heavy section of Surah Al-Furqan, and that's at uh, verse 27 to verse 30, which is the regret of the disbelievers and the hypocrites on the Day of Judgment, and then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam complaining about them on the Day of Judgment. So really what, what you start to see here is a scene unfold at verse, 21, uh, verse 27 of those that used to mock the Prophets together, those that rejected truth together, and those that took comfort in their collective. So, you know, they all mock the truth. They all, you know, sort of rejected it. They uh, mocked the callers to truth, the prophets of Allah. And now they're on the day of judgment and everything that they mocked has come to be the reckoning that they put off that they said, you know, oh, show us God, show us the angels. Now they're seeing the angels and they're seeing the reckoning in a way that they did not want to see uh, that come true. And they start to turn on one another and they start to blame one another and they start to shout out words of regret And so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives us this powerful uh, scene. The day that the transgressors would be biting their entire hand, Uh, imagine imagine an entire fist down your throat. I mean, just to convey the the the, uh, the deep regret that they have on that day, the remorse, and they're saying, "Oh, how I wish I took the path of the Messenger. How I how I wish I would have listened." to my prophet, to my messenger. And of course, this is the case for the rejecters of all of the prophets and messengers. I wish I wasn't amongst those that mocked them. I wish I would have followed those prophets and those messengers when they came to us with the truth. And then what did they do? Then they start to remember, you know why we didn't do this? You know why we didn't follow the prophets and messengers, even though we kind of knew on the inside that they were telling the truth? It was because of that person. It was because of the ringleader, right? So, ya Woe to me, Oh, how I wish I never took that person as a friend. And so they start to turn on those who turned them away from the truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that that person then says, they turned me away from the reminder after it had come to me. It was there, I was in the vicinity of truth. SubhanAllah, imagine a person who saw the Prophet Muhammad with all of his beautiful shamail beautiful attributes and his qualities and still rejected him and took him as an opponent, the mercy to the world. And so obviously they're the primary recipients of this, but everyone that uh, you know that, that turns away from truth by taking uh, comfort in the collective and saying, well, all these people are turning away from the truth. So surely it's okay. And then uh, find themselves amongst those that mock the truth. So that person starts to say, I was right there. Truth was right in front of me. And I was turned away because of that person And the devil, the Shaytan, certainly always betrays uh, the son of Adam, right? So it's all those calls that we saw in the previous surah, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is telling the Shaytan, "You have no control, but the Shaytan is a deceiver, right? He's a deceiver, and so his deception uh, worked." And this is referring to friends that pull you away from the truth. So your friends who pull you into disbelief. Think about the previous surah, the slander, and how we talked about in Surah An Nur. How it just became a collective. Most people just they just received it with their tongues, and everyone started spreading it around. The friends who pulled you into slander, your friends who pulled you into zina, right? How many people end up committing fornication or adultery because they end up in a party scene or they end up amongst people that have normalized those things amongst themselves. Your friends who celebrated you, and this is something that Mufassirun uh, talk about here and there's some stories that this incident is referring to that we don't have time to go into but they say that one of the key uh, audiences here are your friends who celebrated your wrongdoing and this is a really important one you know we talk about the social media age right these people would mock the prophet like something they'd essentially high five each other they'd kick him they'd spit on him they they'd come up with different ways to reject the truth and persecute the believers and then they'd celebrate one another and subhanAllah, right now, you know, we live in a day and age where, you know, we, we put out our worst selves, and people celebrate us for it. So, the message that we get, and what we comfort ourselves with, is, you know, I must be doing something right, okay? It's because I'm finding people to give me that drug. And then the scene of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi and it's, it's it's tied to what uh, Sheikh Muhammad's paper is actually about. The complaint of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The complaint of the Messenger alayhi salatu was is not that they hurt me. It's not that they, you know, they they said these nasty things to me. الرسول, ya Rabbi, the messenger's complaint, alayhi salatu was is that my people did not take this Quran seriously. Subhanallah, I mean, the complaint of the Prophet <laughs> is not even about the insults that were hurled to him. This was more than him. This wasn't about his personal self. This was about the message that he brought. This was about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <clears throat> entrusted him with. So, his complaints on the Day of Judgment, and I think of that scene while I am like, these are the people that insulted him. And his complaint is, they didn't take the Quran seriously. Inna qawmi al mahjura. May Allah not make us amongst those who did not take the Quran seriously. Allahumma amin. Go to verse 44. Am tahsabu anna aktharhum Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, do you think that the majority of them hear or think? The, what, what are they? The, the problem is not that they can't understand you, or. It's not about your message or the failure to comprehend. The problem is that they're kal an'am, bel hum that they become cattle and even further let astray. They just go with the flow. So they follow the ringleaders of falsehood and just go with that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends this, ends this uh, surah, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul ma rabbi lawla uh, say, what worth do you have in the sight of your Lord if it's not for your worship? And dua here, supplication, is used to refer to worship. And the Prophet said, ad dua al ibadah. Uh, dua is worshipped. Almost to say your worth is in how Allah sees you, not how people see you. That is the problem here, right? That you get caught up in these groups and you end up missing out on the truth and uh, even worse, mocking it and rejecting it. And I'm not going to go into the Ibad uh, al-Rahman, uh, the qualities of uh, the servants of the most merciful because that's our last 10 nights, uh, inshallah ta'ala, 2 a.m. Every night we'll be going through one quality of Ibadul rahman of the servants of the most merciful. However, it's identical to the qualities in Surat muminun or they match up prop, uh, uh, perfectly with the first set of ayats in Surat Al-Mu'minun, Ibad rahman the servants of the most merciful. And I think one thing that's often missed is that, uh, you know, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the ultimate, Abdul Rahman is the ultimate servant of the most merciful. He's the ultimate example of someone who walks with dignity in the face of great insults, and who maintains his focus, and who does not descend into uh, what his enemies try to turn him into. Uh, I'll go through na- next surah to shu'ara. Uh, the the second verse of surah to shu'ara is a response to the complaint of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Okay, the complaint of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is my people did not take this message seriously. The complaint. The, the second verse of surah to shu'ara. La ala ka ba'khirun nafsaka, ala Allahu yakoono. La ala ka That you are. Killing yourself, or you're hurting or you, you are feeling great pain and distress that they're not becoming believers, that they are continuing to reject you, and you're hurting for them because you don't want to see them in great pain, even though they're causing you great pain. Then Allah goes through Fira'un and Musa alayhi This is a Meccan surah. So the Prophet had his own pharaoh in Abu Jahl Firaun taunted Musa and Musa Islam responded like Ibadul Rahman, like like the servants of the most merciful. Fir'aun tried to remind him of, of things that would, that would guilt him. Musa Alayhi salam maintained his dignity. Fir'aun insulted him. Musa Alayhi continued to maintain the standard of how he calls him. So Fir'aun tries mocking him. And he actually, the word is actually used that he said, look at this Prophet of yours, Al-Majnun, this crazy person. The same insult being hurled at the Prophet Sallallahu It doesn't work. Then Fir'aun slanders him. Then Firaun uh, uh, sa- you know, uh, says, I'm gonna kill you, right? The point is Musa Islam responds with dignity in the face of all of this. And SubhanAllah, the magicians of Firaun, the magicians of Firaun, what happens to them? They refuse to be cattle. <laughs> they see the miracles of Musa Alayhi and they say, we believe, we believe in the Lord of Musa Islam. We know our craft, and this is a man who's upon the truth. So this is a message to the Meccans who feel like they know that this is the truth. But they're still rejecting because they're looking at the group and they're saying, We're going to hold back with everybody else that break out of being cattle and have the courage to accept the truth and the consequences of the truth. Finally, eight times on Surah Al Shu'ara, and maybe we have a conversation about this at the end, inshallah ta'ala. SubhanAllah, eight times in Surah Al Shu'ara, this verse after Allah describes every nation and the destruction of those nations that rejected, and verily, your Lord, He is truly the almighty and the most merciful. The scholars say Aziz, uh, when he punishes here, is referring to his punishment, he is Aziz, and then Rahim, he is most merciful when he forgives and overlooks or or extends people, delays people, and does not punish them and spares people. So basically Aziz is when he chooses to punish, Rahim, merciful is when he chooses to withhold. And some of the scholars say that the connection between the two here is that when Allah shows Rahmah, it's not because anyone's forcing him to show mercy, it's because he is an Aziz al-Rahim, and of course, also a message to the to the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ that Allah has withheld that punishment, the great destruction upon the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, or the Qaum, the people of the Prophet ﷺ, the way we see in previous nations.
2: Salam assalamualaikum. I guess you didn't get the memo. Those are the verses that I chose.
1: Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: it's all good. It's all good, Shaykh. There's, there's, I mean, there's so many other messages. Uh, within that beautiful, beautiful verse And actually the verse before that as well uh, these cha- The chapter of Shu'ara, uh Subhanallah, you know While reading it, you know, it gives a story Of, of numerous uh, prophets And as he mentioned The name Al-Aziz Ar-Rahim is mentioned eight times In this chapter, and it's the tail, Or it's the tail end of the story That is the last verse That is mentioned before proceeding on To the next story of, of the of, of the following prophet. But he also mentions a verse before that also. fi kana So when he mentions the trial or the uh, story of the particular prophet السلام, he says, fi Verily in that is a sign. And most of them were not of the people that possessed iman. They were not believers. inna al So here, Allah is firstly saying, you know firstly the fact that it's there's tikrar there's there's a repetition of this you know there has to be some message that allah is repeating this in this way firstly we should all we all we know in our subconscious mind but when we bring it to our conscious mind and ask ourselves why is this being repeated you know why is this being repeated as we know from tadabbur from the from the, the, the ponderance over a verse, when one wants to ponder, not preponderance, right, Shaq? Shaq like Omar's laughing too, you must've told him, man. <laughs>
1: no, yeah. no, I didn't.
2: But, oh, you did it. okay. All right, the ponderance of a verse, you know, when you ponder over a verse, as we talked about before, is to continually repeat the verse. This is one way that one can, it, they, they can think about the verse and go to the deeper meanings to where it can permeate the heart to eventually lead to exemplification or to act out the verse, at least with your connection with Allah in your heart, such as tawakkul and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But now Allah is repeating the verse after the story. There has to be some asrar, there has to be some, some secret gems behind it in which we will never be able to encounter all of the gems. But just as when you recite Surah al-Fatiha, inshallah, almost every time you recite it or you know, at least once a day or something, there's an event in your life that ties to Alhamdulillahi Or there's an event in your life that ties to Iyya wa Or there's an event in your life that, t- that ties to Walad Not to you, but maybe someone you know, or to keep away from the uh, misguided ones and acts of misguidance. In any case, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is saying, firstly, verily, indeed that is a sign, but most of them were not believers. This is, firstly, as some of the scholars mentioned, Tasliyatun anbiya or Tasliyatun al Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It is a form of comfort and encouragement and, and, and letting the Prophet know that most of them will not follow you. Most of them were not believers. So don't feel like Sheikh Umar said, Do not hold yourself uh, to, you know, don't let it stress you out to that degree. That care that you have is beautiful, that sympathy that you have is beautiful. But to a, to a degree of letting it divert you from the message or divert you, not the Prophet but we as human beings, maybe having a second thought about, am I doing this right? What's the message? You know, if we're giving a message on social media and we don't see a lot of likes or a lot of numbers and you're giving a Quranic verse or you're giving a message, the most important thing is that you're doing the balal You're giving that message to the people and it's not upon you whether people will accept or not. The most important thing is that you have ikhlas, that you have sincerity. And that's what's very, very beautiful about this because just as we love the message of Islam and we love the character of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the miracles that he's been given by Allah, that every miracle he says, as the Prophet said, we don't want any reward and we don't want even any thanks. Verily, we fear our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have mindfulness of him and we're fulfilling a responsibility for you to show gratitude towards your So here, it's important for us to remember that it's not about the quantity, rather, it's the quality, the quality of worship, the quality of your connection with your creator. And what increases that quality, and this is the beauty of, you know, the whole process of guidance or the process of worship, is that when you do an action of worship, Allah increases your iman and makes it stronger, which enables you to do another action of worship, which increases the strength. Within this, there will be negligence. This is the sunnatul fil kawun, sunnatul fil insan. This is how we as human beings were created. There will be mistakes that we will make, but what do we do to rectify that mistake? And that's what's beautiful here. Because you may have been giving a message to a loved one, to someone, but you see they're just not accepting it. They see the manners, you're good to an enemy friend, an enemy of yours, and subhanAllah, something that you just want for them guidance. They know they understand the message, but they just don't accept. That is where we ultimately trust in Allah. You know that Allah is in ultimate control. Something that you would think your mother, father would become, you know, accept the message and they don't. And you're wondering, why is that? Why is that? Know that Allah is ultimately in control. And that's the beauty of this first verse. It's about the quality of your worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are the actions that you're doing to strengthen that relationship? And do we hold ourselves accountable? And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then he says, And your Lord is the exalted in might, the most merciful. And as Sheikh Umar uh, alluded to earlier about these principles and names and attributes, why, brothers and sisters, I highly advise all of you. I would say Muslim and non-Muslim to even, to look at the principles of names and attributes from an Islamic perspective. Wallahi, this is something that increases my, every single time I read about, not the names, but the principles behind how we understand the names. How is that? So when we see Al-Azizu Ar-Rahimu, Allah chose these names for a certain reason. And as we as Sheikh Omar mentioned, eight times in this chapter, more than any other chapter, in total, 10 times in the Quran, eight times in this chapter to show firstly that the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the names of Allah and his attributes as the scholars say Mm -hmm. it doesn't carry any fathomable form of deficiency in any shape form or fashion anything that we can perceive and even more than that what we cannot even Mm -hmm. fathom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no possibility for a deficiency within his nature within within him subhana and also the attributes are the same way which are more than his names that they're they're perfect by default it is impossible for them to have any element of imperfection human beings are the total opposite we by default have imperfection therefore our imperfection demands to rely on the perfect one our uncertainty of what's going to happen with COVID-19, COVID-20, who knows whatever, whenever, it, it demands for us to rely on the one that we are certain in. So when Allah says Al Azizu, to know that his might is unlike any other might and that his power will, will surpass any firaun When the Muslim has that in their conscious, not in their subconscious, they do not fear any except anyone except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at the same time, his izzah his might because it is perfect, will never have any tyrannical element within it. Because we as human beings, if we have might, we'll fall short. We'll oppress someone. We may say something bad about someone if we're someone that has some kind of control. But at the same time, as the scholars mentioned, when it's accompanied with another name, فهو خير على خير. So here he accompanied it with mercy. The, rah, the, the izzah, the might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is couched within mercy. So, when he applies his izzah, whether it's destroying a nation, whether it's punishing an individual, it is done with the spirit, if you will, of mercy. And the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like any other mercy. Allah is unlike any other mercy. So, when Allah is ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim, we see that uh, the the rahim, the mercy, as the scholars of Sheikh Umar mentioned, that that rahim is for the mu'minun or it's for the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's for the people. That are voluntarily obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that Rahma also, as some scholars mentioned, that he had Rahma and mercy upon those ones that would be lying, the prophets, that he didn't destroy all of them. And he had mercy because he Amhalahum, he gave them an opportunity to accept the message of Ibrahim, accept the message of Noah, accept the message of Musa, alayhi musalam, these prophets that were mentioned. So the coupling of these names is so relevant, and of course it's relevant because who is better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in speech and in relation of these stories. So in this beautiful verses that we see in verse number 67 and 68, and seven other places in this chapter, after you read every story of the prophet, remember, it's not about the quantity, but the quality of the potency of your worship. And then also the names of the might and mercy accompanied together to show might of his power for us to know that there is no extent, but also it is accompanied with mercy which no human being will be able, will ever be able to perfect and to manifest to the best of that which is for other forms of creation. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all and make us of those mm-hmm. that exemplify mercy and exemplify uh, uh, greatness and might to the best of our ability. I
1: mean, exactly, And I think subhanAllah, you see that from the beginning. It starts off with the story of Fir'aun and Musa Islam, all the way to the story of Lut alayhi salam. And you see adab al dawah like it's the mannerisms of da'wah that they're using just the best, the best words to those that are oppressing them, and they're they're so uh, gentle and compassionate. And one might perceive even that they're weak because of the way that they're talking to their oppressors and to their people. But Allah's message does not need us; uh, we need it, right? And I think that's the theme. Sheikh Muhammad
0: khairan. Uh, thank you both. I ask Allah Azza wa to bless you, Sheikh Abdullah, and Sheikh Omar, and make you both the Quran write you mm-hmm. among his select class of servants for, for being of the best of people this Ramadan, for teaching the Quran uh, to others. Uh, I ask Allah to allow your, your children and their children to, to enjoy the returns on this and your parents and their parents and beyond. Allahumma amin. Bismillah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I actually just wanted to, uh, to mention a, a story, if you will, that, that always helps me uh, remember the, the profundity, just the, the, the impactful nature of the conclusion of Surah Al-Shu'ara. There's a set of verses at the end of Surah Al-Shu'ara that whenever I come across them, I do remember this incident from the early Muslims. Uh, and maybe I'll just mention the incident first and then conclude it with the verses. Uh, so Maymun Ibn mihran Rahimahullah he was of the great... of the scholars of the early Muslims, and he was a right-hand man of the great caliph, righteous caliph, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah. When he became uh, very old, uh, he did something incredible. Uh, He did something that only someone who knows that it all boils down to the heart and the purity of heart and uh, what Allah knows about the contents of our hearts would do. He undertook a, a painstaking journey. He traveled, literally. Uh, to a heart doctor, but not a cardiologist, a spiritual cardiologist. When he became very old and his vision each, actually had gotten weak, he asked his son Amr Maymun ibn Mihran asked his son Amr to take him to Al Hassan Al Basri, rahimahullah. Al Hassan Al Basri was not uh, any ordinary person. Hassan Al Basri, rahimahullah, was raised as an orphan in the house of the wife of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Umm Salama. He met over 300 of the companions. Though he didn't get to meet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi himself. And so he told his son Amr, take me to al Hassan quickly. And so his son Amr narrates this incident. They traveled through many lands. And at times, even when they would get to a stream, he would have to carry his father across the stream because of how old and, and weak he was. Until finally they got to Al-Basra and they got to the house of al Hassan Al-Basri. Uh, and they knocked on the door and uh, a young girl came out. And... Uh, She said, who is it? He said, Maimun ibn Mehran. Maimun ibn Mehran, he works for the government. He's a a standout scholar. Everyone knows who he is. So when he said, Maimun ibn Mehran, she said to him, you miserable soul, what kept you alive until now? Uh, Meaning like, what sin did you commit that caused you to be punished by seeing this bad age of ours? And so he broke down crying because that was actually the very reason why he was coming. He felt like he may be swerving at the end of his life. He feared that. And so from his weeping, al Hassan himself, the man he had journeyed out to see, came outside for the sound. He realized that Mimun al-Mehran, he embraced him, took him inside the house. He calmed him down and he said to him, what brings you? Like You should have summoned us, we'd come to you. What brings you? He said, oh Abu Sa'id, I find my heart to be very hard. My heart has really hardened. Help me tenderize it. Help me soften my heart. like, What's the best thing to do? Like my life could be running out. I'm old. Should I fast? Is that the best thing? Should I like focus on that over everything else? Give me something to cling to. And so Al-Hasan, he recited to him verses from the end of a shu'ara. He, re- he said to him, all he said to him was, Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim the name of Allah. imma sinin. This is Allah saying to the Prophet Sallallahu about the respite, right? The, the final delay, final chance, he's delaying the punishment for Quraysh, right? Allah is saying, won't you consider O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi if we allow them to enjoy themselves for many years? Like, so what? If they live long, enjoyable lives and they come out on top even in this world uh, and they abuse the believers till their last days. Won't you consider if we allow them to enjoy themselves for years? Thumma yu'adun. But then there comes to them what they were promised. Death, the grave, the hereafter. Ma Nothing of what they enjoyed would be of any benefit, would be of any remnants of memory even, uh, after they come to meet that inevitable appointment, the appointment of the hereafter. And of course, this is addressing the, the deniers, the rejectors, the disbeliever. But also, it by extension, secondarily, it addresses every single person, right, who is oblivious to the hereafter. And so Maimun once again, he broke down, he began to cry, and he began to cry, and he got so fatigued from crying that he fainted. And so al-Hasan tried to, like, move him, and he himself began to weep, and then he left the room, didn't want anyone to see him in that moment. Uh, and so he left the room. And so when uh, Maymun ibn Muhran actually became revived, the girl, she said, you upset the sheikh. You upset al-Hasan al-Basri, like you made his sincerity exposed, if you will. And, you know, the, the pious, they protect their good deeds more carefully than they protect their, their evil deeds. Uh, and so she threw him out the house, literally. And so as they were back on their journey, after they walked for a while, the son who was carrying his dad, Amr, he turned to his dad. and said, dad, that was Al-Hasan al-Basri? He said, yes. He said, I thought he was something bigger than that. <laughs> like, I, like we all, he just told us Quran. We all memorize Quran. We all know it like the back of our hand. I thought he was going to tell me something I never heard before. I thought he was going to say something profound. And Al-Hasan was like that. They say that no one's words resembled the words of the prophets like al Hassan in his generation. And so he said, dad, I thought he was something like we traveled all this for the list for this, for this. He says, so my father punched me in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of like pushed me back. And he said to me, and this is the point I want to, for you to take home. He said, my son, he recited to you verses that if you were to reflect on them with your heart, they would have left marks like scars therein. And. there's so much to say about this right but number one the verses themselves like if ever you know the onset of another opportunity another allure of this world stirs some interest in you just thinking about the aftermath not just death you know like any little thing you just look at the back end and it helps disinterest you deactivate that that uh I guess, ensuing obsession that could happen. Like the nicest meals in the world, for example. Once I fill my stomach, if you paid me, I wouldn't eat more, right? But consider something, as Allah said, if I allow you to enjoy it till the end of your life, but then it's gonna end. That thought by itself helps like restabilize you, recalibrate you about the reality of things, the comparison of this world and the next. So whenever the onset of dunya stirs interest in you, about dunya, sorry, the material life this worldly life uh allow yourself to fast forward so that you can deactivate or like equalize that interest so it doesn't swerve you from the path. the second thing and just in this last minute i, I want you to think about that statement of maymun and Mehran. these are verses you memorize my son but if you would allow your heart to ponder over them you see people read the quran and they have no idea what they're reading. That's a problem. Allah condemned that all over, right? That all they know is recital. But there's a second level of pondering over the Quran, which is pondering over the Quran with your mind. And we should never stop there. Like there are people all the time who reflect on the Quran sometimes even to debunk it, right? To refute it like critics of the Quran or other people they reflect on the Quran as some intellectual luxury to show off and get, get the likes, or to refute other people. It's almost like weapons that they use in their, in their polemical b- debates. That's not going to change you, but if you give your heart to the Qur'an, the heart will then (laughs) give you back or the Qur'an will return to you a better version of yourself that you may never have thought was ever possible. And that is why, you know, how do you actually do that? You just have to keep knocking on Allah's door for it. You just have to keep asking him for it. It's pure tawfiq from Allah. That's why the Prophet ﷺ, he would say, and with that I close, uh, and he would say it with like a huge introduction, Oh Allah, I ask you by every name that's yours, that you've ever, that you've named yourself with, or told any of your prophets, or revealed in any of your scriptures, or like kept back with you in the knowledge of the unseen that is locked away with you. I ask you by all that to make the Qur'an the spring that quenches my heart, and the light of my chest, and the remover of... uh, my sadness and the dispeller uh of my worries so you just have to keep knocking may allah allow us allow us ya rabbi allow us to give our hearts to the quran to allow the quran to give us a new version of ourselves a version that he would be pleased with allahumma amin i hope i didn't go over time
1: I think SubhanAllah, JazakAllah Khair Sheikhna, we loved having you on as, as usual. Uh, I think that the point that you just drove home, I think for, for us to reflect on, Allah made the Quran accessible to us, right? He didn't make this the book of the elites where you can only access it through a tafsir session or through us reflecting on it. But you reciting the Quran alone and just pondering and reflecting, the Quran was always meant for the masses. Not to unlock the Fiqh rulings, the jurisprudence, or the legal rulings, or derive, you know, any any sophisticated creed. It's for us to ponder and for us to reflect with our hearts. And so, encouraging those that are, have been listening every night. That as you're tuning in every night, um, you know, and, and alhamdulillah, we we've enjoyed uh, forming our little Quran 30 for 30 community here, and we pray that Allah make us so the people of the Quran that uh, nothing will take away from the responsibility and the beauty of isolating yourself with the Qur'an at night, especially as we get into the last 10 nights and just reciting a few verses. Read the translation if you have to. Uh, pray with them and reflect upon them. Uh, so JazakAllah khair for that beautiful uh, reminder. Uh, Shaykh Abu Abbad, Shaykh Abdullah, JazakAllah khair as always. I'm sorry I take your verses, man. But I'm, I'm gonna call you out, man. You sent the verses at like, 20 minutes before the, the the halakha i just saw him <laughs> I, I
2: was waiting for the 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 ant that was gonna make Suleiman smile so that's why i was just like i thought you were gonna talk about that sheikh mohammed. <laughs> no,
1: that's no time. To text <laughs> uh to you both for the beautiful night and session someone posted sheikh mohammed before i let, he said he said can you guys go for 60 minutes so you got another can you pull out can you all both just do 23 minutes right quick
0: no, no, my mom is waiting for me. For God, for
1: <laughs> That's it, we submit. So, Zakim <laughs> to everyone for tuning oh, yeah, in. InshaAllah, sure. we'll see you all tomorrow. And again, Wednesday, please join us Wednesday, three to eight, inshallah for the uh finish strong telethon as well as the dua at the end, inshaAllah, and uh, and uh, every night of the last two nights as well. I'll just be doing 20 minutes on al Rahman, Inshallah, the servants, the most merciful at 2 a.m. Uh, Eastern, inshallah صلى الله خيره وصلى الله وسلم بارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه